This is Ozarks at Large for Wednesday, November 2nd, 2022. I'm Kyle Callum. And I'm Matthew Moore. The 2022 Reflections Music Series, Tertulia, reaches a crescendo tonight with a performance of Pepe Rivero's Four Seasons of Latin Jazz in Star Theater at Walton Arts Center. Tickets all spoken for, but you can still experience the music live right here on KUAF at 7 tonight. In our second half hour today, how an elementary school magic show inspired Reza to become an illusionist who makes tour buses disappear. He'll be at the Jones Center Sunday afternoon. First today, University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences was awarded a nearly $8 million grant by the National Institutes of Health to expand its infectious disease research capacity and establish a pandemic response and public health laboratory. I spoke with Dan Voth, professor and chair of microbiology and immunology for UAMS, and started by asking him, how would you explain the work you'll be doing to a third grader? That's a great question. And I guess I would say that the scientists are going to go into their labs and they're going to study these germs that can make us sick, but we're going to use this you know, this, this money from the government to study these germs and to be able to prevent them from making us sick before they ever have a chance to. And so really, we, you know, we're going to study all of the things that you know, a third grader might be exposed to or come into contact with out in their daily life. And we're going to try to get ahead of it and make sure that you don't get sick from those germs. What does nearly $8 million get you? Well, what eight million, nearly $8 million will get us is renovation of much of an entire floor in uh, one of our research buildings, and it will do a few things. Uh, first, it will make current space more efficient um, so that we can do you know, safe, efficient research. It will also up, open up a smaller uh, a laboratory for pandemic response in the future, um, as well as ongoing studies on things like COVID-19 and also population health studies uh, ongoing across the state. So it will basically provide a lab uh, lab space where safe research can be done with human samples and other things that, that uh, individuals are studying around the state. And then the, the third thing that it will do is it will increase the size of our current biosafety level three facility so that we can safely and securely work on highly infectious bacteria, viruses, and parasites that cause human disease um, and that we need to study to you know, learn, learn more about them for treatments and, and things of that nature. Um, things like COVID, of course, uh, have to be the SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, has to be worked with in a biosafety level three facility. So uh, this overall will give us more research space to do those types of uh, research projects and recruit new, uh, new investigators to UAMS and Arkansas. I think for many folks, when we think of cutting edge technology and especially this world. We think of the CDC, we think of Atlanta, we think of the coast. Why is it important to have a facility like this here in Arkansas? That's a great question. And you're right. Most most folks do think about uh, those other facilities and institutes that you mentioned. Um, I think it's especially important for Arkansas because we have um, you know, certain populations in our state, uh, across the state, that suffer disproportionately from different diseases, many of which are either caused by infectious diseases or infectious pathogens, or they are conditions that make them more susceptible to infection. And so I think that by having this increased, more efficient, safe research space, uh, we will be able to take on more collaborations with uh, with other faculty and investigators uh, around the state and around our region in the Mid-South. 
And so I think it, we are really primed at UAMS in the center of Arkansas to uh, do do a even better job than we've been able to do on studying some of the, many of these infectious agents. We're obviously still dealing with COVID nineteen in the current pandemic. Why is it necessary to prepare for the next one? Well, we can never be prepared enough, right? And I think that that was seen throughout the the COVID nineteen pandemic, and that you know it, it came came up fast and. Uh, we had a lot of talented uh, researchers working on problems due to COVID-19, uh, but we can always be better prepared. And one way we can do that is by ensuring that we have the space and resources available to study the basic biology of these types of infections before they become a, a pandemic. And this, again, this uh, grant will help us uh, renovate this space and uh, increase our research capacity to do just that. Um, particularly for for things like uh, the virus that causes COVID-19, it's you know it's respiratory. It's spread through the air, and uh, you know we need to we need to understand basic mechanisms of infection and disease to know how to design treatments and vaccines in the future. Right, and and obviously one hope from this sort of work is to prevent you know, not even know that a, a pandemic was looming, right? How can a fully functioning lab like this work in the early days of a pandemic to perhaps even halt it in place? Sure. So uh, I think the way that, that this sort of a facility can work in the early days of a, of a pandemic is to provide the space to actually work with the agent that is causing the disease. Uh, you know, during the COVID-19 pandemic, we've had several, many, many talented investigators at UAMS and, and around the, the world, of course, that uh, wanted to work on this, this infectious virus and try to determine how it causes disease. And here in Arkansas, at UAMS specifically, we had, we had several groups that were working on COVID and still do and are doing a fantastic job. Uh, but we we did have to turn down several requests to do more collaborative work based on ha- not having enough space. And so uh, this facility will essentially alleviate that issue moving forward, uh, whether it's working on COVID or another virus or uh, bacterium in the future. Yeah, some of the talk around this research is around collaboration. What kind of collaboration do you hope to create and facilitate with this funding? So what I hope to do are sort of two areas. One, specifically with collaboration, is that when a new agent, again, like SARS-CoV-2, is identified, uh, the space will be available immediately for investigators here on campus to start working with that infectious microbe. Um, and that will, that will allow also uh, interaction with the clinic and working with human samples that are potentially infectious uh, and, you know, in a safe and secure manner. And so I think with... In the future, these collaborations can happen much quicker um, and more efficiently than we were able to at the, at the beginning of the, the COVID-19 pandemic. And then the second part is that this space will allow us, the UAMS, to continue to move toward our Vision 2029 uh, priorities and objectives of increasing uh, research capacity and number of investigators on campus. Um, so again, it will provide extra space to, to recruit these infectious disease researchers. Who cleans this kind of facility? I mean, I, I, you know, I think when we think of folks who, who typically do cleanings like, a, like a, uh, a maintenance person at a school district or that sort of person, surely it's, it takes a little bit more uh, care and uh, qualifications than just a mop bucket, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, so these these types of facilities are, are, are monitored for, you know, every aspect of cleanliness and, and safety. So, um, yeah, I mean, you obviously you have to sweep the floors, mop the floors, but uh, the entire facility is very secure, uh, you know, with, with limited access to, to personnel who are approved to, to work in that space for good reason. Uh, again, these, this space will house uh, pathogens that need to be in a safe and secure location. And so, yeah, as far as cleanliness, uh, it will be a very, very clean uh, state-of-the-art facility for sure. Basically, what I would like uh, like everyone to to think about is is how impacted our lives are by infections, even prior to the pandemic. And you know, if you if you ask a hundred people if they've ever had an infection from a, something in a, in a cut or a wound to you know pneumonia or something like that, uh, I would guess that all 100 people have have had some sort of an infection. And so it's it really places priority. This project places priority on alleviating more than just uh, you know pandemic agents, which are important, uh, but really the everyday life of of our Kansans and those around the world uh, from infectious disease that we deal with on a daily basis. And so I, I really think this project highlights how much of a priority infectious disease research uh, and you know, the immunological response to disease is at UAMS and to the NIH. Dr. Voth, thank you so much for your time, and congratulations on uh, on this award. Thank you so much. Dan Voth is the Chair of Microbiology and Immunology at UAMS. The renovation funded by this grant is expected to begin in mid-2024 and completed in 2025. Heart disease takes more lives in Arkansas and nationally than any other disease. The American Heart Association reports it is the number one killer of women in the U.S., Yet only about 15% of Hispanic women recognize it as their greatest health threat. Saturday, the American Heart Association will host the Vestido Rojo Red Dress event at the Springdale Civic Center to raise awareness of heart disease. Devin Dan, Executive Director, American Heart Association, Northwest Arkansas, says it's the first time in three years the Spanish language event has been an in-person gathering. We had a virtual um, event in 2020. We did not have one due to COVID in 2021. And then now we're back in person. This will be our eighth Vestido Rojo. What will it be like? What will it look like? So, yeah, it'll be at the Springdale Civic Center. And, of course, all the ladies will be dressed in red. Um, As they register and enter, they'll receive a goodie bag. We have over 20 uh, community organizations that we're partnering with that will also be there. Every, th- every community organization pretty much that you can think of, we have invited them, if they can speak Spanish, to share their information. So the ladies will come in, they'll get a wristband, and they'll get a time slot for receiving their health screenings. We'll have uh, healthy snacks, we'll have a, a light brunch, there'll be a program, but we'll, there'll be a photo booth. It's just going to be a fun event. We'll have a mariachi band this year. So we try to bring in the cultural aspect of it as well. You mentioned uh, wristband for the free health screens. Those can happen that day. Yes. So they receive, we'll probably screen over 250 women that day, which is incredible. We expect to have probably 700 to 800 ladies. Um, I know health disease, I think it's the number one killer of just women in the United States, right? Heart disease is the number one killer of women. Actually, heart disease kills more people than all cancers combined. Mm -hmm. And so there are some real disparities in the Hispanic community in recognizing heart disease as their number one killer. There are a lot of us who, who, for whatever reason, don't get screenings 
as often as we should. I imagine if you do, if you are in an area where you are not as fluent in the dominant language, or perhaps there are economic concerns, I don't know what, but there can be challenges to Absolutely. get the screenings you need. Absolutely. Um, and that's why we put this event on um, completely in Spanish. And we ask that all of our healthcare providers be able to speak Spanish or have translators because we know that that builds trust. Um, in addition to Mercy, we'll also have community clinic that will be there that can provide um, lower cost services if needed. Um, our goal is to make sure that they connect with uh, a clinic to be able to get a primary care physician so that they will continue their their care. So, sure, free screenings the day of, but this is a long-term yeah. sort of Yeah, absolutely. And, and for the first time this year, we're so excited, we are actually extending the program for five educational sessions that go beyond the actual Vestido Rojo event that will go over about a three-month period. And so those topics covered include everything from stress and mental health mm. to, um, you know, really getting into the numbers and understanding what those mean and how to change those numbers, like blood pressure, cholesterol, those sorts of things. Um, and then exercising and eating right. We'll have a nutritionist who'll come out and actually cook a meal for one of the um, sessions. So we're really excited about that and seeing them and helping them further their health journey. Stress can have an effect on your heart health? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's important. You know, sleep and stress play a huge factor. We're learning more and more all the time about how much that that impacts our heart health. But yes, and that was one of the topics that these ladies really wanted to cover because after COVID, they saw um, a lot of the ladies be affected by some mental health concerns. Is it also important, no matter your your country of birth or your ethnic background, that women can talk to women about health? Yeah, it's important, I think, to have that friend group around you and be able to um, kind of work together and have that accountability. I think we see greater improvements in our health when we have a little bit of accountability. And the reason we targeted the women, because we know like the women are, are the center of the household mm -hmm. and they buy a lot of the groceries. And so by targeting um, these ladies, we want them to take it back to their families. It's at the Springdale Civic Center on Saturday the 5th. What time? Who can be there? Is there any admission charge? So it'll start at 7 a.m. And so, yes, you do have to register. If you would like to register, we still do have a few more openings. Um, you can email Angela.tally at heart.org. That's A-N-G-E-L-A dot T-A-L-L-E-Y at heart.org if you'd like to register for the event. Devin Dan is Executive Director, American Heart Association, Northwest Arkansas. Vestido Rojo is from 7 to noon Saturday at the Springdale Civic Center. Theater Squared presents Detroit 67, a funny, fiery drama set to a Motown beat. In 1960s Detroit, siblings open an after-hours joint in their home to make ends meet. Filled with humor, history, and heart, this award-winning play is on stage through November 6th, 777-7477, or theater2.org for tickets. KUAF is supported by Butterfield Trail Village, Northwest Arkansas Retirement Community catering to active lifestyles and resident well-being. Amenities and living options from apartments to village homes, plus on-site fitness facilities are available. ButterfieldTrailVillage.org for information. This is Ozarks at Large. On the latest episode of Undisciplined, Dr. Karee Banton discusses religion. Her guest, Dr. Patrick Bellegarde-Smith, is a professor emeritus from the University of Wisconsin-Madison and a voodoo priest. We hear first from Dr. Banton. 
So is there is there sin in voodoo? How is voodoo different from um, the Western the Western religions of Islam, uh, Judaism, and, and and Christianity? Yeah, there are no original sins. There are no sins. There are taboos. Your taboos may not be my taboos, but then no sins exist, and no one will punish you. Because there is a question of karma that operates within uh, African religions as well as Asian religions and others. You know, Haitian voodoo is very similar to Native American religious systems. Shinto in Japan, which is a national religion of Japan, um, uh, forms of Buddhism and Hinduism, very, very similar. And no sins. Um, there are certain things, you know, you develop good character, which means there are certain things you should not want to do. Uh, but uh, there's no God to punish you as such because you will punish yourself. And there's a Yoruba prayer that says, may my enemies be left up to their own destruction. They will destroy themselves. I do not need to do it, and I don't want to destroy them. They will destroy themselves. That's a, religion, that's a, that's a prayer in the Yoruba system. And, um, and the, 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 there's a comic, we call that in Haiti, Lushok Awatua, which means whatever action that you do, good or bad, evil or beneficial, you will be, you will receive three times that force back at you. So if you do something horrible, like commit murder, for instance, it's going to come back. If not on you, your children or your grandchildren. But it will hit you three times as hard as what you propelled into space. And so, and, and that's a comic principle that operates there as well. But there are no original sin. Now, the Brazilians, by the way, have something very funny because they're very sexual. I hate to say that word on radio, but they are in that sense. And they will tell you there are no sins below the equator. Now, find your equator and what's below it. There are no sins below the equator. And now, you know, the U.S. was created by the Puritans. Australia by criminals. Australia won. Because what we suffer in this country today is directly connected to the Puritans and their ethos and their ethics. Well, as someone who, who grew up, uh, you know, as an evangelical Christian and, you know, very much so, you know, the, the, the puritanical, you know, uh, modest culture that resonates a lot with me, what you're talking about there. The, the thing that's interesting to me, and perhaps you can shed some light on this, is what is the, the rationale for practicing the religion? I think for many Christians, the, the rationale for becoming a Christian is so that in the afterlife you can go to heaven and you cannot go to hell. Uh, what, is the, what is the rationale for someone to practice and to study and to be uh, someone who considers himself in voodoo? It's not so much religion as it is spirituality. It is developing your own strength, developing your own resources as God-like. And by the way, throughout Africa, there is one universal belief, reincarnation. This is a belief that you find throughout Asia, certainly, and elsewhere in the world. Reincarnation, you will be back. So there is no heaven, there is no hell. You will be back. And if my cat can have nine lives, I insist on having more. <laughs> because I'm having too much fun, actually. <laughs> and, but but the, 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 you know, practicing religion gives you a sense of community. That's all it yeah. is. It's community. And atheists have their own community. Oh, sure. Now, even their churches as well, because many of my, 95% of my friends are atheists. 
and these are pretty much all university professors. The more educated, the more atheism uh, survives, I guess. You know, the, but, the God, Erica Badu says, most intellectuals don't believe in, the, in God, but they fear us just the same. <laughs> yeah. Well, well I've, I've not seen that to, to be, to be in, in my, from my experience. Mm-hmm. But you see, my, my uh, atheist friends, many of them go to the Unitarian Universalist Church. Right. Yeah. Uh, where it is a free-for-all in that sense because they want a sense of community, of meeting people on Sunday mornings and that kind of thing and perhaps sharing a cup of coffee. So to me, it sounds like the, the, the difference there is, is this idea of, you know, Christianity is typically revolved around a community and growing together. And with, with voodoo, it's self-discipline. It's, it's, it's improving upon oneself. Is that, is, am I hearing that right? No, no. Because you see, it's interesting because in our languages, and certainly in the Haitian Creole language, the I is almost never present. It's always we. And you talk about yourself, you say we, very commonly. You know. And by the way, in the Haitian language, as in many other African languages, there is no he or she. It's all we. And uh, it's in the context that you find out, are you talking about a woman or are you talking about a man? Because it is not clear in the language, there are no distinction between the sexes in the language itself. None. That was Patrick Bellegarde-Smith, a voodoo priest and professor emeritus at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. You can hear the full conversation on the latest episode of Undiscipline, a podcast collaboration from KUAF Public Radio, Ozarks at Large, and the African and African American Studies Program at the University of Arkansas. This is Ozarks at Large. Sunday, the Jones Center will host Reza, an illusionist who has developed a wide following across the world. He grew up in South Dakota and saw a magic show when he was in elementary school. That set his focus on performing illusions. His parents bought him a magic set, and now, well, now he does things like make a jet appear or a tour bus disappear. He'll be at the Jones Center in Springdale Sunday afternoon at 2, and we called him last week. He says he can spend years and thousands of dollars perfecting an illusion, and he's always trying to improve. I actually film every show, um, even today, and I'll go back and after performance, I won't watch the entire show typically, but uh, I'll make notes during the show of things that I want to look back and see. Uh, also, sometimes uh, film the audience as well as film the show so I can look at two screens simultaneously and be able to see how the audience is absorbing different things that we perform because that's important as well. Uh, there's a lot of sports teams that will review game footage, but not enough entertainers will go back and, and watch themselves because it's hard. It's hard to watch yourself, you know, hear your own voice and see, you know, how you move. It's just it's different than how you think you are. And so a lot of times people will say, oh, I don't like watching myself. And it's, it's, it's true. But uh, I think seeing the audience perspective is, is extremely important and uh, reviewing it, I think, is important as well. What sort of um, illusions will we see when you're at the Jones Center? Uh, I mean, you'll see things that have been done before, but you'll see them in brand new ways. And you'll see things that have never been done before. Um, so there's there's a lot to the show. It's very interactive. Uh, and that's the cool thing is that no two shows are ever the same just because of the people who happen to be involved that night. And I realize that not everybody wants to be up on stage, mm-hmm. uh, especially at a show like this. Uh, but some people really do. So I, I make a point to only pick people 
who are actively volunteering. So you never have to worry about coming to the show and being drug up on stage. But for those that do want to be a part of it, there's uh, over a dozen opportunities, uh, maybe far more than that throughout the show. Either come up on stage or be involved from uh, your seats. We'll sometimes bring magic into the audience and the crowd using cameras and uh, giant video screens to be able to see what we'd normally be able to see only on television, but be able to see it live as well as up close on the screen. Uh, we'll do a recreation of a Houdini illusion, try and uh, break his uh, record for speed. Uh, you'll see, I don't want to give too much away, no, no. but um, you'll see a lot of uh, things that uh, people dream of, uh, wish for, but uh, hopefully see it live on stage. Reza, if someone comes up to me and does sleight of hand with a deck of cards, and you know, one of those where, oh, look, this is your card, that blows me away. I'm happy with that. What is it about those of you at the very top of your profession that says, ah, you know what, that's not enough. We got we to gotta blow this guy away more than just telling him what his card was. Well, it's really like what connects with a person. And so I always just try and use organic objects, things you have around the house, in the garage, things like spray paint, power tools, um, even an Oreo cookie. One of the things that uh, I've performed on television many times is uh, an illusion I created with an Oreo where I uh, eat the cream and then restore the cream back into the Oreo. And for some reason, even though I've performed huge illusions, uh, massive in scale, I've, uh, you know, I, I have a... I made an airplane appear, a tour bus disappear, those types of things. People will, will go away talking sometimes about this Oreo cookie. So it doesn't really necessarily matter, like, how massive is this, this illusion or this piece of magic? Uh, it's how does it move you or connect with you? I'll, I'll, sometimes I'll, I'll interweave some um, stories, uh, things I'll share from my own life, uh, how I got inspired in magic and uh, how my parents were supportive and allowed me to take that journey to follow that dream, you know, hoping that some of those things will inspire someone else sitting out there. But you, you uh, take that and you combine it with magic and all of a sudden you have a, not just a powerful performance piece, but you have something that might make you think a little bit different when you leave. I'm just thinking of after a show where you've made a plane appear or a tour bus disappear and someone comes up and says, yeah, but what about the cookie? <laughs> that just cracks me up. It's crazy. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll do that quite often. I'll ask the audience in a small, like, meet and greet type format after the show. And I'll say, what was your favorite illusion? And I realize right away that's not the most expensive uh, or elaborate things. Um, it's just what do people like? And for some reason, there's a lot of things that divide us, but there's a couple things that bring us together. And I've yet to meet someone who doesn't like an Oreo cookie. I go to a show, an illusion, a show of illusion or magic. I don't care how it's done. I don't sit there and try to figure it out. I'm just going to go with the flow and be amazed. Some people, of course, go and they want to figure it out. Who do you think has a better time? The people who do not try to figure it out, by far. That's the curse of being a magician or being too close to the industry is you learn too much. And I remember the feeling of watching David Copperfield perform live and getting goosebumps and just being overwhelmed by something that I can't possibly begin to understand. Now I can't go to see his show and see it the same way. Mm. 
what I can do is I can look out into my audience and I can see people who are experiencing it that way and kind of get a little bit of that sensation in that direction. But I can't, I can't see it anymore. So people always say, I, tell me how this works. I want to give me the secret. And I always think to myself, you think you want to know, but you really don't. It's better just to experience something and feel that sense of amazement and sense of wonder than riding a ride at, at Disney World. So instead of looking straight forward, appreciating what's been designed for you, you're looking up and seeing the cables that are suspending, you're looking down and seeing the people pulling the levers. I mean, which experience is better? You tell me. Can you ever turn it off, or are you always thinking about the next illusion that you could bring to us? I do kind of um, live and breathe it. Mm-hmm. I do. And I think a lot of that has to do with where I draw my inspiration and it's from everyday life. It's from people, it's from things you know around me. So as I'm going through life, I'm constantly thinking about how I can create an illusion based on something cool that I'm, I'm seeing. Uh, but at the same time, it's, it's fun. It's rewarding. It never feels like work at all. Uh, even though there's certain things that are challenging, uh, of business nature, doing something like this, uh, As I'm creating, that's when I'm the happiest. Rezo will perform Sunday afternoon at 2 at the Jones Center in Springdale. He spoke with Kyle last week. You can find out more about Sunday's show at thejonescenter.net. KUAF is supported by Pack Rat Outdoor Center in Fayetteville, serving Northwest Arkansas since 1973 with backcountry and urban footwear, clothing, equipment, and more. Pack Rat is dedicated to conservation and waste reduction. PackRatOC.com for online shopping, shipping, or curbside pickup. KUAF is supported by Hendricks College, offering engaged learning by linking classrooms to the world and developing career skills throughout its curriculum. Hendricks graduates pursue medical, law, and other advanced degrees, preparing students to lead lives of accomplishment. Hendricks.edu slash connect for more information. Last week, the Kingston Trio performed in Fayetteville at the Faulkner Performing Arts Center on the U of A campus. Prior to the concert, two of the trio, Mike Marvin and Tim Gorlington, stopped by the Furman Garner Performance Studio here at KUAF to talk with Ozarks at Large's Timothy Dennis. Their conversation began with an explanation as to why the trio's third member, Buddy Woodward, was not with them at the time. We are missing uh, Buddy, who is in the air even as we speak, coming in from Denver. He was delayed yesterday and. Tucson getting out of there. So what you see is what you get. How often do y'all get a play as a two-piece or an altered form of the trio? Like never. <laughs> this is the very first time in five years Five years that a member of the group did not arrive on time for anything today. Wow. Yeah. That's a great track record. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Five years. We've never had a problem. But Apparently, somebody told me at the hotel there's a Mercury retrograde on that. <laughs> well, you, you never can tell what's going to happen with Mercury Whatever in retrograde. Whatever that means. <laughs> yeah. so well, we've been lucky in that regard. Y'all have brought your guitars with you. Uh, right. Would you mind playing us a little bit of music since you're here and ready? Sure. Um, usually during our concerts, as everybody who's listening knows, it's uh, the Kingston Trio is all about three different guys singing three different parts. Sometimes we do it in unison. The trio does more things in unison than uh, probably most people would realize or expect. But uh, And on this particular song, I always remind the audience that uh, 
we all learned this song uh, listening to Campfire Girls. Around the campfire. Around the campfire. And <laughs> Actually, that's not how it goes really. back about, uh, oh, I would say a good 50, 60, 70 years. This was on the uh, Kingston Trio College Concert album. So shall we play it? Yes, indeed. That would be more fun. I, I just did. That. I just did. I can't kill back home this way. I did my verse. You were supposed to do your soul. It's early in the morning, folks. <laughs> well, you're still on Denver time. <laughs> I'm on Los Angeles. I did his verse. Oh, that's even worse. It was your soul. Okay, well, then I'm uh, sorry. It was uh, my let's mistake. take it from the top. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's good. I think you should leave it. <laughs> let's do a few more do questions. So, do your answer. solo, and then we'll let's, finish the song. Okay. Come on. <laughs>
That was great. Now, good audio editing. <laughs> Put that right together. It's just really hard early in the morning yeah. doing harmonies that you're standing up and when you have it's a drill. It's not early in the morning. It's afternoon. <laughs> it's early in the morning for me. West Coast. Six in the morning for me. <laughs> oh. Okay. Do y'all ever, you know, have situations like this on stage, like in a show where oh, yeah. someone forgets a part oh, or yeah. a line gets dropped? Like, what, what, what do you do in that situation? Well, not as... Not as much as we Not do. like that. <laughs> right, right, but right. Yes, usually our biggest, and what, the way we, what we usually say when we do it is uh, we give each of us three senior moments per show. <laughs> <laughs> and that being said, yeah, usually they're key issues. So we'll, there's a lot of adrenaline playing in front of a lot of people, and everybody's really going doing their very best and you'll still be say in the la in the song you just did and <clears throat> say you're capoed up at two frets and then but the next song like 500 miles requires you to in my case I am I'm at four frets and I'm playing in the key of C well that being said when then we start the song Sometimes I'm still capo two <laughs> in front of a thousand people, <laughs> and you know it can be kind of awkward because it sounds like one of us is really sour, and uh, we'll sometimes ha we've had two or three times we've had to actually stop and start over again. But usually it's very quick. It's like oh, oh well you know, and it's over with. And, and usually you blame it on somebody else, right? Yeah. Well, a bass player, I forget who, in the past told me something very knowledgeable. They said, if you make a screw-up one time, do it two or three times, then it's part of the music. <laughs> it becomes part of the arrangement. Yeah. It's yeah. Part, of, sure. part of the show, yeah. part of the show. I believe that. He may have been a jazz bassist, I can't now, remember. Now, when you fell over on that concert in, oh, in, in, Santa, Barbara. in Santa Barbara, <laughs> you should have fallen over three times. <laughs> <laughs> because then everybody would have... Definitely thought it was part of the show. Of course, the stitches in the in your chin would have been hard to do three times. So, is this y'all's first time in Arkansas? Actually, not for me. When I was in high school, my dad was stationed in Blytheville. Oh, okay. At the Air Force Base there, and I went to first couple of years of high school over there in Gosnell, and uh, then we then we moved on. Typical, you know. Air Force family, right? Uh, but yeah, I lived in in Arkansas for a couple of years uh, as a kid. Uh, well, great great memories, great memories. Good to be back. Does it does it feel <laughs> like the Arkansas you remember? Oh yeah, especially with driving. Last night we drove in from Bentonville from mm -hmm. the airport by a somewhat circuitous route <laughs> through back roads, and Very dips and gullies, uh -huh. and one lane bridges and stuff. And I said. Looks like Arkansas to me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I remember the forest really well. So, I yeah, came through trees. Arkansas in 1967 with Nick Reynolds, who was in the Kingston Trio. Mm -hmm. um, I was towing. He had two race cars, and we had this um, ra car racing team in California. Formula Juniors. Formula Juniors. And he had qualified. Nick had qualified in the last year of the Kingston Trio. He had qualified to 
race in Daytona Beach. So mm. I came through in De- about December 2nd or 3rd, 1967. I'm one of those guys that remembers everything. <laughs> and, uh, except his cords. Yeah, and ex- the except my cords. <laughs> I remember everything except how to sing my songs. <laughs> but that was standing. Um, yeah, we came through in 67, and, and, and in those days there were no freeways. Right. It was all blue highways, what they call blue highways, and... Um, it was my first time, and I, as I said to Tim this morning as we left the hotel, I said, uh, this looks a lot different by day than it does by <laughs> night. I mean, it was dark last night out there in the country, and we were driving all over the place to get to the hotel. But, well, I hope you all get to see that same route, that circuitous route in the daytime, because yeah. it is actually a really pretty drive. It's through the forest. Yeah. yeah. Interestingly, uh, aside about Arkansas in general, uh, my family is settled in California in about 1849 or 1850. And so I'm a, like a fifth generation California. My father was four. And I was telling the boys last night that my father ran the San Diego Zoo for about 30 years, 33 years. And when he retired from the zoo, of all the places he would have ended up moving and living, and he could, he had a home in Ireland. He ended up in Mountain Home, Arkansas, ah. and that's where he lived his last years, and he loved it in yeah. in Arkansas. And I think probably most of the United States really isn't aware, wasn't aware of Arkansas until the till the Jason, uh, what's his name, the actor, uh, Jason Bateman, J, until his series Ozarks mm-hmm. hit. Most of the people in the country re- didn't have a real clear awareness and uh and i think it's all very interesting anyway that's the story of my how my father (laughs) fell in love with this state and i have another friend um terry rose bless his soul a very close friend of mine he uh he wrote the arkansas state song and he uh he was uh when he died him bill clinton's Send a letter. I mean, I saw the letters and everything. It was, it was pretty moving. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Terry was a major talent. Some major talents have come out of this state. Yes. Major yes. talents. We could talk all day about the talents yes. out of this state. Um, but I think we have about time for one more oh, song, okay. don't we? Yes. Uh, we'll do Flowers? Yes, we'll do Pete Seeger. This is the ultimate Pete Seeger song. One of our favorite songs. We'll try and do it with two guys. Okay, here we go. We asked the folks listening at home to put the third part in for us, okay? All right. You know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Where have all the flowers gone? Long time passing Where have all the flowers gone Long time ago Where have all the flowers gone Young girls pick them, everyone When will they ever learn When will they ever learn Where have all girls gone long time passing where have all the young girls gone long time ago 
Tell. That's probably my favorite Pete Singer song. Yeah, great song. I definitely great mine. Song. Great song. And I can just hear that third harmony in there. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It's, it's a beautiful song. I hope the folks at home were singing that in harmony with us. Yeah, I would like hope Pete so. said, beautiful you know, song. What is that quote? Let's, let's read the tail end of that quote. It's <clears> such a beautiful. Pete Seeger once said When one person taps out a beat while another leads into the melody, or when three people discover a harmony they never knew existed, or when a crowd joins in on a chorus as though to raise the ceiling a few feet higher, then they also know there is hope for the world. Hang That's on it. to that, Tim. Hang on. Let's take that with us tonight. I, 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 I never I've heard that before. More in my case. That's a beautiful Wow. Quote. Beautiful quote. No, I definitely recommend that, that documentary, Pete Seeger, The Power of Song. Yeah. Tim, Mike, it has been an absolute pleasure having you all here today. Thank you, Tim. Great Thank to you, be Tim. with you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks, folks. That was Tim Gorelangton and Mike Marvin, two of the members of the Kingston Trio. They talked with Ozarks at Largest Timothy Dennis prior to the show last week in Fayetteville. You can find out more about the band, its history, and their music at kingstontrio.com. The Reflections Music Series and KUAF Public Radio presents Pepe Rivero's The Four Seasons of Latin Jazz tonight at 7 p.m. live from the Star Theater at Walton Arts Center. It's all part of Tertulia, a series of events this week featuring regional, national, and international citizen artists presenting their music, advocacy, and action for creative justice. Tonight's performance is a recontextualization of Antonio Vivaldi's Four Seasons, influenced by the flavors, cultures, and rhythms of New York, Havana, Rio de Janeiro and Buenos Aires. 
That's tonight, beginning at 7 p.m., live, right here on KUAF Public Radio. For more, KUAF.com. This is Ozarks at Large. With me in the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio with the Arkansas Cinema Society is Cody Ford. Cody, welcome back. Kyle, it's good to be here. We've been talking, you and I, the last few years, a lot about how film is growing in Arkansas, and one of the reasons is Filmland. This is uh, a multi-day event that really can help people become more interested in filmmaking and practically learn how to make films. Yeah, absolutely. It falls under our tenets of watch, learn, and make. And so you can come and you can see films that were made by Arkansans or films that were connected to Arkansas, along with you know films that are you know top films from festivals such as Telluride, Sundance, Venice, and all those good ones. And you can go to workshops during the day that are being taught by industry professionals. And, of course, you know, we've got some parties happening, too, so people can mix and mingle a little bit. And, yeah, I really feel like it has done, you know, I, and I wouldn't say we are not the sole credit for this because there's so many great groups right. out there. So many great studios are bringing films here. But, but I feel like Filmland has a role to play, and, and I feel like we do a good job of this, of playing our role to give people – in, you know, to come down, you know, people from up here can come down to Central Arkansas. People in Central Arkansas can come out. They can experience all this. They can hang out. They can meet each other. And you're just, we can sort of bridge the divides in our film scene. And I think Filmland does um, a great job of that. You mentioned the workshops. There are opportunities to hear from people who act, who direct, who create. Yes, absolutely. We have a lot of uh, fantastic workshops lined up. Uh, some from Northwest Arkansas residents, such as Spade Robinson, who will be teaching a screenwriting workshop. We're also bringing in some some big bigger names here, you know, that people may have heard of, which is very exciting. We have well, David Arquette that's come to our events before, but David will be there for a workshop. And leading that workshop is Neil Labute. Who the famed playwright yeah. and filmmaker and writer, and which I'm just a huge fan of. So Neil will be doing this workshop with his wife, Gia Crovitin, who will, will be there as well, and with David. And they're going to be talking about how directors can work with actors. And that one's really cool. And then you know, there are several others. Like we have a cinematographer named Mark Irwin, who's yes. done 150-something films. And he's going to be there talking about uh, you know, cinematography. You know, It's the, the thing that he knows very, very well. So, yeah, there is... A lot of different niches that you can fill if you have different interests within you know, the art of filmmaking. It's not just for people who want to make films, though. You can go and just watch feature length and short films. Yeah, absolutely. Filmland is not just this sort of super film nerd thing that only people you know who are like really into it are gonna enjoy. We've got a lot of good movies coming this year. We have a sneak preview night. We had to, we added a night because we had so many good ones on the docket, and so we will be sneak previewing Empire of Light, the new Sam Mendes film coming up, and then we also have a movie that sneak preview night called Nanny, which won uh, I believe it was the U.S. Audience Award Prize, something along the lines of that, at Sundance. But it's a horror film. So it's like you got Empire of Light, which is you know, a Mendez drama shot by Roger Deakins, who has shot like every good movie of the last 20 years. <laughs> right. You know, you may not know who he is by name, but you've seen his work because he's done the Bond movies. I mean, he did that Blade Runner 2024, Scario everything you know but but yeah so we've got their their new collaboration we have nanny that opening night then thursday night we have the inspection which is a new film that uh it's getting a lot of buzz for award season it's being put out by the crew at a24 who released minari and of course you know they also have their horror films that they do too but this is going to be a drama and then that so that 
in, the inspection is o- our opening night film. Friday night, though, very excited about Friday night. We have uh, House of Darkness. And some people up here, you know, myself being a faithful resident, may remember 2021. Well, is that Justin Long over mm-hmm. there? And, is that Kate Bosworth? So yeah, they were here in Fayetteville. Rock Hill Studios brought them, helped get them here to shoot this film. I think they shot at that castle south of town and a couple other spots. But yeah, they made it here in Fayetteville. And so this will be Friday Night Film at Filmland, and we're bringing in the writer-director, Neil LeBute, who I'm a longtime fan of. He will be there, and his wife, Gia Crovatin, who's also an actor in the film, will be there. And you know, we couldn't have pulled that off without our friends over at Rock Hill uh, connecting us with them. And so we're really excited to be able to host Neil and Gia and you know show this Arkansas-made film Friday Night at Filmland. And you can find all of this at filmland.org. You can find out more about the Arkansas Cinema Society at arkansascinemasociety.org. Have you run into Meg Ryan or David Duchovny yet? I have not, but my friends have. Okay. And, you know, it's I, I really want to, and I don't know what I'd say to David Duchovny other than I think I would, I honestly think I would geek out around him. <laughs> Normally I ignore celebrities if I see them, you know, but I mean, I love Californication. I loved X-Files. And, and he's just he's a writer. Like, he's an awesome dude. So I, I might geek out a little. Cody, thanks so much. Thank you, Kyle. Arkansas SHIP, the Arkansas Senior Health Insurance Information Program, announces open enrollment now through December 7th. Arkansas SHIP offers free, confidential, unbiased, and educational advice for those needing to find the best Medicare Part D drug plan for 2023. For more, one 800 Two two four six three three zero. Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art presents We the People, the Radical Notion of Democracy, featuring the nation's founding documents in conversation with American art, including a rare original print of the U.S. Constitution. On view now. Tickets at crystalbridges.org. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Kessler Mountain. KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Contributors today included Timothy Dennis and Karee Banton. Our theme is written and performed by Daryl Sean. I'm Matthew Moore. I'm Kyle Kellums. Matthew produced today's show inside the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio 2 in the Carver Center for Public Radio. Our community engagement manager, by the way, at KUAF is Jasper Logan. Matthew, another new show tomorrow at noon and 7. That's right. We'll be here. Hope you will, too.